Modern men. What's going on? It's Hector Santhia Esteban. I'm going to make this intro quick. Today's episode is with Ted Phaeton, and he is quickly becoming one of my favorite guys. A, because he's just an awesome dude, but he also hosts a show called The Modern Man, and it's a fantastic show that is you definitely should go listen to because it's very in line with what we talk about here. He has some great guests. What I love about it is he's got a, a full-time thing. You know, he's a, a full-time meteorologist. He's like, works for a news channel and he's just, you know, doing, doing that thing, which was his original career. And kind of similar to me, he realized that there's this other thing that he wants to do as well, which is to help men and kind of lead them in this new era, if you will. And so we talk about all of it. It goes in all the places it needs to. And, and I imagine it's going to be perfect for where you're at if you're listening to this. So get settled in. This is Ted Phaeton. Welcome to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, where we delve into the depths of what it means to be a man in today's world, and we explore the real-life challenges and triumphs that you and I face every single day. My name is Hector Santhia Esteban, and I come with no answers, only questions for some of the most wise, insightful, and grounded men that I know. So get settled in. You're listening to Modern Masculinity. Ted, welcome to the Modern Masculinity Show, man. How are you? Doing good, Hector. Thank you for having me, man. Thanks for being here. I want to obviously thank you and praise you for the work that you're doing because, you know, I think it's important stuff. And obviously, I think that we both believe in that. But take me into your world, man. Mm -hmm. What's real for you? What are you challenged with or struggling with or going through right now with regards to being a man or, you know, a partner or wherever that may be? Yeah, man. Well, first, Hector, I love this modern masculinity platform that you're building. And honestly, we're on the same team here. So nothing but respect and admiration for what you're doing. In my world, in relation to the Modern Man podcast, I'm also a husband. I also work a full-time job in the morning, a pretty demanding one as a morning meteorologist. And I have a pretty strict gym regimen that I hold on to. So what I'm struggling with currently to be transparent is turning your passion into profits. I wake up every morning and my heartstrings get pulled towards men's mental health. It gets pulled towards this mission of the Modern Man podcast, Modern Masculinity, what you're doing. And there comes a time where you put so much love, energy, and effort into a project. And being four years in now, you look at, okay, how can I turn this project, how can I turn this service into profit? Not because of being tired of doing it, not because of maybe not feeling the same way as before, mainly because when I'm sitting here talking to you right now, my wife is in the other room and I'm taking time from her to be here and do this service. So it becomes a thing of, I need to serve my family in this action. So where I'm at right now mentally is understanding how I audit my time and spend every minute I can for the benefit of my family and try and identify if I'm being selfish in some areas or if something is actually taking away from my family and finding how much that's actually worth. So I hope that makes sense, turning the passion into profits and really turning that corner around into something that is what I believe my purpose in terms of connecting men in pursuit of their potential and doing that with the abundance that I know this world can give, man. Yeah, I want to honor you for taking up that shield, really, you know, Mm -hmm. as it is. And I think it speaks to this greater conversation that's happened on the show about men, their role, and especially their role as providers, right? Because it would have been very easy for previous generations to, especially the guys, to go, well, I'm just going to go work and I'm doing it for the family. My ability to provide 
is financially mm. at the expense of time with their family or time with their kids or time for themselves. And I think that uh, obviously maybe previous generations had that conversation as well, but I think that a lot of guys are struggling with balancing all of that. I know I am, right? Yeah. How, do you, how do you have enough to give to my kids? I got to be a good dad. How do I give enough to my wife? I want to be a good husband. How do I give enough to my business? I want to be a good CEO and leader and entrepreneur. And then, and then I got to give to myself. I got to, you know, and it's like, <laughs> but here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Tapped out. Uh, man, honestly, it, intentionality and communication, right? Any guy listening, I encourage you talk to your partner, talk to your spouse, talk to your wife and ask, hey, what do you need? Because what my wife needs from me is my presence, so I could provide financial abundance, but if I'm absent, she's not happy. And the idea of providing had to kind of evolve a little bit for me because, sure, financial abundance would be helpful for my family. Presence is also helpful for my family. Experiences, helpful for my family, right? Because I've also found it's also not the quantity of time, it's the quality of time. My wife doesn't just want to sit on the couch watching Netflix and chill. No, she doesn't want to do that. Now, she'll enjoy that on a Friday night, but she'll also want an experience. Like, let's go kayaking this weekend. Let's do something. Let's get out of the house, and we'll take the dog out to the dog park. These experiences, we can take two hours, and instead of sitting down watching a movie, go in-depth on something like hopping in the car at one o'clock in the morning, finding a dead-end street, blasting the music, and dancing in the headlights. Those are experiences that don't have to cost money, but my presence in that moment pays so many dividends in the future because when I take a time where I say, hey, babe, I need to go in the other room really quick to record a podcast and take an hour of our time together, that's going to be forgiven and understood because of the idea of what I'm providing on multiple levels. We have to be multifaceted and it's really, really, really hard to balance. And what I found for me, what's really worked was setting healthy boundaries with those around me. I have a group of friends that don't call me after a certain time because they know, okay, that's my time. Every week I have a mastermind group. We have an accountability call for the Noble Knights with Modern Man. They'll even joke 7 p.m. They're like, oh, Ted, let him go love on his wife. It, it's Ted's wife time. So I think being unapologetically defensive of your time understanding where it is. And it started with me auditing my time and my priorities and really breaking down how I spend my days. Because what I've identified for me as a man, we don't have time to waste. We don't have free time. And it's been hard to accept because what I've had to understand was the free time that I think I have, it's going to be wasted. I have to allocate that time to something because just like a friend that were to text you say, hey, what are you doing? Why? Because if I just tell you I'm not doing anything, you're going to fill my time with something. And when I say that we don't have free time, I'm not saying you can't take care of yourself. That's also allocated in my calendar. The time Ted needs for Ted is allocated in my calendar. The time Ted needs to spend with Jess is allocated in my calendar. Same goes for my workout. Same goes for my connection with friends, doing my business, all that. It's hard. It's rigorous. But that's where I've found some of the most fruits in my labor recently. Yeah. I do best when I'm regimented and when I have some routine. And just recently, I got over this weird viral infection. My eye was all messed up. You know, it totally threw me off my routine, you know, to the point where I took my first day off and like literally my body couldn't go anymore. And I say all that because 
Now I'm off routine. The challenge is, is that when I didn't get a chance to do my normal workouts, I didn't do my normal breath work, I didn't get my normal me time. And then that caused a bunch of shit to happen. Yeah. It caused me to be off kilter and be off balance. And so now I'm dealing with the life implications that resulted from me not having what I needed because I wasn't in routine. And I guess all this to say, how do you deal when that routine gets thrown off? Because mm -hmm. you talk about you having boundaries. I'd imagine that those boundaries get tested or gets pushed. What's that like for you? Yeah. Boundaries get tested and pushed all the time. As recently as two weeks ago, man, the weight of the world, it was heavy and I crumbled under it. I'm not going to lie. I'm like you. I come home. I have my breath work routine. I have an ice barrel on my balcony, which was funny when we were getting it. My wife's like, where are we going to put this? And then I do my cold plunges. But the interesting thing about those practices and those routines is even my wife will tell me, maybe you need to do some breath work. Even my wife will tell me, you need to go to the gym. You seem off. So what I found is when I start having things crumbling around me, my partner will identify that I'm not operating at my optimal performance or at my optimal level. And she will actually pour into that. One example of which, Jess's love language is quality time. We just moved to a new city, new opportunity. We're here for a few weeks and I'm kind of off my game a little bit. And she looks at me, she says, it pains me to say this, but you should probably go back to Greenville this weekend and spend a couple days with your boys, spend a couple days with your homies because she knew I needed some guy time, right? I'm in a new city. I don't have connections. I don't have those deep male relationships where, you know, we could sit down, maybe talk about our issues or even sometimes Hector just sit down and know each other's energy, right? Like we don't have to talk about certain things. I just got to know this is my boy. Who's not going to judge me for who I am. I don't have to go into detail of what I'm going through or whatnot. We could just sit here in this moment together and just support each other. And for my wife to identify that I need that is helpful. And there's also times, and this is where I found, and I feel lucky in terms of having a supportive partner, that when I don't get to show up the way I need to, I tell her, I communicate, hey, I'm off. And that breaks down to understanding that we have control over three things, which I will argue it's actually one. They say the three things we have control over is our thoughts, our emotions, and our actions. Well, if I tell you not to think of a pink elephant, you're probably thinking of a pink elephant, right? If I think, tell you not to think of a, a loved one that has passed, you're probably going to think of a loved one that has passed. And then now that might play into your emotions, how you feel. However, if I were to try and remove you from your chair right now, Hector, you can give me some resistance on that. It's not going to be as easy to infiltrate. And I actually might come to some bodily harm trying to do it. So I'm probably not inclined to do it. I say all that to say behavior could impact how someone feels, how someone feels could impact someone's thoughts, and that could impact someone's behaviors. Those three are connected. If you lean into your habits and your behaviors and your routines, even when I'm in a rut, I do my breath work, I do my cold plunge, I do my workout. It's not a question of if that's going to make me feel better. It's a guarantee. It's only a matter of time I'm going to feel better. So when everything's messed up and the room is messy, or when I say the room as a metaphor for like my world is crumbling, I'm not hitting my deadlines for my business goals. My communication with my wife is off and maybe there's some tension and some passive aggressiveness going on in the relationship, or maybe I'm just reading things wrong, or maybe I'm not performing as well as I think I should at work and I'm just feeling inadequate. That negative self-talk comes into play. Every time I lean back into my routines, waking up early, doing all that, it's only a matter of time before that confidence comes back and it says, you know what, Ted, you got this. You're doing it. You're bouncing back, man. 
Yeah. Yeah, you're so right. I got sick and all the routines, what you talked about, getting up early, meditating, exercising, like all those went out the door. I didn't think that I was going to deal with the implications. Well, give yourself grace on that too. I'll be the first to tell you, I am hard on myself, bro. Like <laughs> the, the example I was going to give two weeks ago, I missed a coffee meeting. And it was the second meeting that I was supposed to have with this charity that I'm working with. The first meeting I couldn't make because I had COVID. I got COVID, couldn't make the first meeting. So they understood. Second meeting, me and my wife were having a tense conversation the night before. And the next morning, we were kind of recapping that conversation, our conclusions on that. And just being so focused and dialed in on that, I completely missed the meeting. I'm talking about no text, no show, nothing. Just missed the meeting until I got an alert on my phone after the hour was done that, oh, this is where you were supposed to be. Hector, man, I took that hard. I was sitting there, my wife's asking like, what's, what's wrong? I'm like, I just feel like a failure. She's like, well, that's not true. I'm like, well, I can't manage anything right. She's like, that's not true. But these are the conversations I'm having with myself. It's like, Ted, man, how are you gonna drop the ball in this meeting a second time? They're never gonna give you another shot again. They're not gonna understand. You know, maybe you're not so good at managing all these things. You know, maybe you're in overhead and you're doing too much. You should probably scale back on some things. And are you really effective with this Modern Man podcast? Are you really impacting men in a positive way? Are you even a good role model or an example? Like, this is what's going through my head. And that's where I was lucky enough to have my wife speak some life back into me. I was lucky enough for her to say, okay, well, what do you need? And she was the one like, you want to go in your ice barrel? <laughs> you want a cold plunge? Because I spiraled and I didn't give myself grace. So I would say, man, I could relate and I understand, brother. Oh, man, give yourself grace because you're probably doing more than most. And that viral infection, whatever happens, is sometimes our body telling us we need to relax. We need to rest a little bit because we wouldn't do it ourselves. Yeah, it's something I'm learning for sure. So I appreciate that. You brought up thoughts, emotions, actions. What was really interesting is I got into breath work. Nate and I actually were at a dad's event in December and that kind of introduced me to the concept. And what was really interesting was that when I got back, I was actually much more angry than I had ever been. And it was almost like you had ripped off the scab of something. And now that there was this very exposed wound that was really heightened and elevated. And over the couple of months and continuing to do the work, that has seemed to calm down. But I only say that because it seems that guys are expected to deal with these emotions that are absolutely running under the surface, but they have no comprehension, awareness, or anything to be able to manage what that actually is. Talk to me about that and how guys work through or, or what you might say to someone who's coming into this world where they're unfamiliar with emotions. Yeah, honestly, I would say like if you were to drop me in the middle of Spain and you tell me, hey man, find your way to uh, a pizzeria. I would probably have a hard time articulating that because I don't know how to speak Spanish. I can't speak the language. I think for a lot of us as guys, that's unfortunately what we grow up in. We grow up in with a limited amount of data or a limited amount of instruction on how to articulate our emotions and our feelings. So we grow up and we probably say, okay, here's anger, here's happiness, and here's competitiveness. Go, go. Right. And here we are as adults. And listen, if my wife disappoints me, if I'm expecting something and I feel disappointed or let down, I don't know how to articulate that other than anger. Kind of like me in Spain looking for the pizzeria saying, pizzeria, pizzeria, or like, donde, donde, right? I don't know enough words to communicate and articulate what I need. So I think for us as men, we get to a point where we start 
chunking these emotions in boxes. If I'm disappointed, it's angry. You know, if I'm sad, it's angry. I remember getting into situations where I'd get so mad I'd start crying because I didn't know what else to do, right? Like yeah. I have an overwhelming surge of emotions that is coming out of this anger and I want to hit something. I want to be violent, but I know I can't in the moment. So the only thing that comes out is tears. And then I'm grown and conditioned to think boys don't cry. So now I'm right. embarrassed. I'm embarrassed because I'm crying, which just accentuates my anger even more. So a great thing I looked up, I believe it's called the emotions wheel or the feelings wheel. And it looks just like a pinwheel of all these colors. And it actually has the like macro emotions and it chunks down smaller emotions. And kind of getting familiar with that feeling wheel helped me feel, okay, you know, maybe I'm not angry. Maybe I'm just anxious. Maybe I'm anxious of something that's coming up and I'm putting pressure on those around me because I want it to work out well, but I don't know how to articulate the fact that like, hey, I'm feeling a lot of pressure, for example, to my wife, hey, I'm feeling a lot of pressure around this wedding that's coming up. Every time I sit down to do my business, it's like someone else is calling for us to do another appointment and I don't feel like I have control over my time. How can we maybe communicate better and get on the same page so I could be there for the appointments that I need and I could also schedule my time for my business accordingly instead of thinking to myself, oh, this is BS, why do I have to do it? Like, right? So better understanding my emotions and what I'm feeling by literally having a printed out guide in front of me helped me learn more emotions than just the anger, joy, competitiveness. Because sometimes I'm not just happy. Sometimes I'm proud. My wife finishes esthetician school, gets her license, crushing it. You know, I'm happy for her, but I'm also proud. And all of a sudden, my articulation of these emotions become a little bit more diverse. And then next thing I know, I'm speaking a different language in Spain, eating amazing pizza at the pizzeria because I took some time to learn that language. Yeah. One thing that I noticed is I was always wondering, why am I so, like the anger thing, you mm -hmm. know, I boxed a lot of those emotions. What I realized, and it only came after a lot of experiences where I, I was confused, was it was actually sadness, right? It was first sadness. Sadness hurt too bad. Mm -hmm. So anger, someone said that it's like anger is a defender or anger is the person that comes up and stands up for sadness. And so I was actually sad, but it was coming out as anger, which was not helpful either. Mm -hmm. It's a language. It's a conversation that we're having and that goes so much deeper. We just weren't even mm -hmm. exposed to this world. It's like telling us that we only have three flavors of yeah. vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry. And then actually realizing that, no, wait a minute, there's 31 flavors. Then there's cold stones where you can make your own. You know, it's all these other types of things. Just awareness, I guess. Yeah. I think we've never been given permission. I don't think we've been given permission to be sad. Like, oh, big boys don't cry or, you know, toughen up, man up. Listen, I'll be the first to say when it comes to modern man, there is a place to nut up and shut up. There is a place for that. And I think we can rise to that occasion. The problem is we're conditioned to that. And the reality is we don't learn that, hey, there's going to be times where you're probably going to be required to do something you don't want to do. There's going to be times where you're going to be required to bottle your emotions for a short period of time to execute a certain objective. However, you don't bottle it up forever. You don't carry this with you everywhere you go, and you don't keep it with you for life. You have to unload it. If you never unload it, you're only going to get more and more on your load until you can't carry it anymore. You know what I realized when I had to do some introspective work, Hector? I'm tired, bro. 
Like, I'm tired, man. Like, I'm out here. I'm carrying so much. I'm doing so much. You know, I'm pouring into others. I'm tired, bro. Like, where can I unload this weight? And because sometimes I can't unload the weight on my wife. She doesn't want to hear that. I'm trying to be the rock in the family. I'm trying to let her know, hey, babe, we're okay. We're safe because she she wants that. She needs that. She needs that safety from me. But we've never been given the permission to unload. We've never been given the permission to be sad. We've never been given that permission to call up our boy and say, hey, man, I'm struggling, man. You know, it's been rough. You busy? Can you talk? You got a couple minutes. I have ulcerative colitis, an autoimmune disease that put me in the hospital for two weeks. But in that time, it was really my mental health which put me in the hospital. And I had a whole bunch of contacts in my phone. To this day, I probably have thousands of contacts in my phone, right? At that time, I remember how much of a dark place I was in. And I was going out to the bar on the weekends, drinking, popping bottles, having a good time, the life of the party. I had a whole bunch of people I can call. Like If I wanted to go to the city, like we had to get two tables because there's 20 people coming. But when I'm at home by myself at two o'clock in the morning, really feeling those emotions, I'm looking at a phone and I don't know who to call, man. And that's why I say with my modern man, connecting men in pursuit of the potential, right? These deep, meaningful relationships. Too many of us have shallow relationships where we talk about the game last night, we watch UFC, we watch the fight, we're competitive. But man, if I have an argument with my wife, I'm feeling a little off, I'm uncertain in my ability, who do I call, man? Who on my phone can I contact and be like, hey, man, I'm struggling a little bit and not have that person on the other side judge me or not have that person on the other side. Oh, man, forget about it. Just man up. No, actually be like, well, talk to me, bro. What are you feeling? How can I be here for you? And not try to fix it, but just listening and just letting you know, all right, man, I listen, I hear you. You're not alone. I'm in this fight with you. If you need me tomorrow, call me again, bro. I got you. I got you. I have a shirt that says hashtag you good. That's one of my modern man shirts. You good. We don't ask each other, are you good enough? And the other thing is not only do we not ask enough, if I ask, are you good? You probably respond, yeah, I'm straight without thinking about it. With a person who asks, are you good? We have something we call bands. And when those guys ask, how are you? They get the real answers because they also are able to hold the space to be able to receive it. And I think that's something that guys, I know for me and even with people that I'm close with, when emotions get high, we dip out because it's uncomfortable for us to be there and to sit in those emotions. I'm even realizing that my unawareness and my inaccessibility to my emotions prevented me from being there for friends that I should have been. It was too hard for me, and so I dipped out. And now I'm realizing that mostly it was because I kept all that load on myself, and there there was not this mutual holding each other up. It was kind of this onus that kept loading and loading and loading on my back, and I was like, I got too much to deal with on my own, so I know Mm -hmm. you're going through stuff, but... I think there's something to that exchange of onuses. Yeah. And I think to your point, women do this so well. They're so intuitive. They're so intuitive. They could pick up on when something's off. And I remember me and one of my workout partners were working out. We work out all the time and, you know, in between sets, we're chatting and everything. And this one workout, it's quiet. And I knew right off the bat, something's off, but I don't have to say anything. We go through the whole workout. At the end of the workout, I mean, we, Spent 45 minutes, an hour together. Barely said anything. You were set. I got the weights, good looks. Then afterwards, hand in the water bottle. Hey, man, you good? Everything all right? You need to talk? And genuinely just, I'm here. Because I think sometimes for men, our silence is the cry for help. Our silence is that cry for help because it's like, man, I don't know how to be right now. 
You know, like I'm here, right. but I just I don't know how to be right now. So because of that, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be quiet, man. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be here. I'm just gonna go through the motions. How many guys might feel like that in their marriage as a parent? It's like you know, I'm just going through the motions. It's up, drop the kids off of school. They got their lunch, and then I go to work, and then I get the kids home from school. We eat dinner, and then they go to bed. And me and my wife, we go through the routine, and it's just I'm on autopilot, and I'm quiet through it because I just don't know how to be. I have these emotions I can't express. It's the other thing. I don't have to know how to be. And no one's given me the permission to say anything. No one's given me that opening to be like, you know what, man? I, I'm not sure. Because the crazy thing is, and not everybody's like me. Sometimes, like you mentioned, sometimes I don't know what I'm feeling. But I discover what I'm feeling through just diary of the mouth. You give me an opportunity to talk. Like, man, you mind if I unpack this? I don't have it figured out yet. But you mind if I unravel this and try and make sense of it out loud? And just sitting there and actually asking intentional questions. Someone's rolling out how they're feeling and everybody's like, okay, why do you think you feel that way? Or what do you think, what do you think triggered that for you? Right? Now I'm not trying to solve it, but I'm unpacking this with you, bro. Like, yo, teamwork, what's going on? Let's figure this out together. And I'm not judging. I'm trying to help you unravel what it is that we're unraveling. And I think that's something that we could definitely do for another dude. I mean, I have no shame saying it for a man that we love, man. If I love you, bro, I want to be here for you, man. And there's no shame in that. Guys don't tell each other that they love each other enough. We're afraid to. Yeah. I have to force myself to say it just because otherwise, I like have no idea what it is. But I found so much resistance that I had to just say it, you know, almost that fake until you make it type thing because the resistance was so strange. You know, I'm sure there are a variety of experiences and things that kind of contribute to that. But to your point, it's something that guys should feel comfortable saying, like, dude, I love you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. listen, I'm, I'm the dude. I remember when I first started saying it and like, you know, I'd have friends I haven't spoken to for a while and um, we're catching up on the phone. I was like, all right, yeah, I love you, bro. And I could hear I could hear the shutter on the other side of the phone. They're like, uh, uh, you, you too? Like they didn't know how to respond. Yeah. And and that's the thing is like, you got to go first. And I say, you got to go first. There's a lot of guys that say, you know, I kind of want these relationships. I want these tight knit relationships. Well, you got to go first, bro. You got to say, I love you first. You got to let this person know I'm here for you. Because I think one thing guys are really good at is identifying who's loyal to them, who has their back. At least for me, my biggest thing is respect and loyalty. As a man, it breaks our heart if we feel betrayed. We don't want to be betrayed. So because of that, I think we actually protect our hearts. You know, that's why I think like, I think women are more open with their hearts while men are more open with their bodies. That's why we're more likely to sleep around and not have any connections. All the woman will most likely, and I'm generally speaking, I know there's exceptions to the rule, of course, but women are more likely to get emotionally attached where men are more likely to protect their emotions. I'm not just going to open up to you, bro. I'm not just going to give you permission to hurt me. Because that's what love is, right? If I open up to you, if I tell you my insecurities, if I tell you what I'm struggling with, if I tell you my hardships, I'm giving you an opportunity to hurt me. And that's the biggest thing I think a lot of us are really good at is identifying, all right, who's for me, who's against me. And the biggest thing we could do as men when we show love for each other is to show that loyalty, you know, show that care, that compassion, and that lack of judgment. I'm not here to judge you, man. I'm here to help you. I'm here to care for you and help us both accomplish what we're trying to accomplish in life because I think a lot of us are ambitious. A lot of us want to provide for those that we love. And how do we do that? We do that with the team. We do that with backing. We do that with backup. And we do that with community. Yeah. 
the interesting thing is I've always had challenged with male friendships. Even my mom, I was talking with her this past weekend and she was like, yeah, you always did everything on your own. I was on teams and I had buddies, but it seemed that no one ever stuck past that phase. And actually one of the guys at my wedding, I'm actually having dinner with him tonight. He kind of is the exception to the rule and I'm grateful, but he was like, dude, you're terrible at maintaining connect. Like if it wasn't for me, like we would not have made it. Like, well, you know, if I didn't, <laughs> if I didn't, wasn't acting, and I'm so grateful that he continued to reach out and continued to be there. And even last night, I just sent him a message and he's like, yeah, dude, let's get dinner. I'm grateful that despite my aversions to it, that someone w- was strong enough for me. But, but I guess my question is sure. I had positive role models, but outside of that, I didn't have a lot of great guy friends. Everyone's kind of out for themselves. At least that's Mm -hmm. the world that I was coming from in the guy space, where we're kind of these lone Mm -hmm. wolves. We run with the pack, but we're still kind of on our own a little bit. Did you experience something similar or can you relate with that kind of experience? Absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of my relationships through college and even into my early career were shallow. There are friends, there are relationships that I have that have stuck mainly because you know, there was a bonding mechanism, in fact, of like, we went through something hard together, whether it was my fraternity, we pledged together, or whether it was a very hard workout together or something. We went through an experience which actually exposed our vulnerabilities to each other. And that is where the bonding and the magic happens, I believe, because a lot of us are programmed to walk around with a shell and we're always sizing each other up. And I use this analogy a lot in terms of the suit of armor. The suit of armor example goes like this. When I was in high school, I went to a Catholic school. We had a uniform, but I was on the football team. So every Friday for game day, we got to wear our jerseys. And I remember the players that had the scuffs on the shoulders from tackling and everything on their jerseys. Man, they were always the most popular. The girls always loved touching the scuffs on the jersey because it showed imperfections, but it also showed you were in the game. So when you wore that jersey that was battered, it had like our rival was Shamanah. They had red jerseys. Our jerseys were black. So when you had a red scuff on your shirt, that was even better because they're like, ooh, yeah, you were in the trenches. Well, kind of like the whole thing, like chicks dig scars. But we grow up as men and we walk around with this suit of armor that's clean, bro. We walk around with a suit of armor that has no imperfections, no vulnerabilities, no scuffs, no scratches. And that's what I'm presenting to you when I meet you. That's what I'm presenting to somebody else when I meet them. Hey, you see my armor? I got this, bro. I got this. And what we end up doing is we walk around in a world where we think all these guys have it figured out. All these guys are walking around with a clean suit of armor. And I'm portraying that I have a clean suit of armor because I feel inadequate because I know how vulnerable and scuffed up my armor actually is. So I always say, like, when I'm out here in the world and I'm building communications and connections with friends... I want to see the dude who's got a scuffed up armor. I want to see the dude who's got the dents, who's got (laughs) the shoulder pad missing and all that, but is still standing because I'm like, yo, that dude has been to battle and that dude is probably going to be able to teach me some things on how to survive this life because I'm out here fighting for my life too. So I think the reason a lot of our relationships stay shallow is because of maybe that lack of vulnerability, that bonding that we could have in between. But also a lot of times we get tunnel vision. I'm very bad at keeping communication as well. I don't text people. I'm like an out of sight, out of mind kind of guy. However, I do keep the door open and people know that about me. And those that love and care for me that know that about me, usually they're the ones that kind of push back in. And then there's also just the habit and the consistencies that I have with some people that I text on a regular basis. And those are my core. Like You don't have to have a whole bunch of people on your phone, a whole bunch of friends. 
I got a core two or three, two or three that I'll talk to at least three, four times a month. Yeah. And I think even a lot of guys don't have that. You know, recently I joined a dad's group and that's been great, but it's been an intentional thing because there is some bunker mentality. We experienced this a lot because we had two kids back to back. And so that was a nightmarish 18, 20 months or so. I don't know. You can extend it however you want. Coming out of that was the pandemic. And so everybody was bunkered down themselves. And so it was this, I don't know, four-year bunker. And you come out and you see the sunlight, but you've got to leave the bunker. And that's been a process and a journey. There's had to be a certain amount of accepting as well, right? Where somebody can be there for you too. Yeah. Um, Which I think is different for a lot of guys. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just being able to find that, like when you first emerge, and I would say, honestly, I think a lot of guys go through that. I don't have a kid yet, but I've had a number of friends who've had newborns and their time is occupied, at least for the first year, very much so. Their time is occupied. Now, that's where I also think of, man, the intentionality, like the guys that are listening, man, like we do so much for each other where my good friend has a newborn, he's in the thick of it, I have to make the initial reach out. Like it is on me. And that's where I say when we care for each other, that's where the magic happens. Because I want to see my boy. I want to see his boy. And I also know they got their hands full. So my reach out isn't like, yo, man, can you come hang out at the bar, catch up a little bit? I'm like, no. Hey, I'm going to bring dinner for you and your wife so you guys don't have to worry about it tonight. And I'm going to come by and catch up with you, see you and see that little bundle of joy and maybe give you an extra pair of hands around the house so I can take care of you. Like we get so used to these traditional, like, oh, let's meet up here. Let's go here. Let's do this, where we forget that we could actually serve our friends and their households and build that camaraderie. Because again, what I think could help us as men, because we love to provide is like, what do you need? What do you need, bro? Hey, man, I, I'm up to my eyeballs. You know, the baby's crying. I got to change diapers. We got to figure out dinner. You know, and the baby's got to eat. And we're like, all right, what if I came through and you don't have to worry about dinner? The wife can take a good hot shower. She can maybe take a bath, kick up. We could put the baby to sleep. She'll be enjoying that. And she'd be happy that I came over. All of a sudden, your spouse is going to be like, when's your friend Ted coming over again? And all of a sudden, that relationship isn't just supported by your spouse. It's encouraged. And that's how I think we could start building those connections. We have to pay attention to each other. Just like if you're in the Navy SEALs or whatnot, you check on your boy, you check on your flank, you check each other's flanks. It takes being proactive and it takes being a leader of your own life and understanding, okay, I could serve. I can be the first to say, hey, are you good? I could hold space for you, but I could also pay attention, identify from afar. Hey, maybe I can provide this for you to make your life a little easier because I got you, bro. Mm, Yeah. I love that idea of going first. Man, I love that it's a shirt. Are you good? Right? Like if we can yeah. just if we can just ask that more and be open on both sides to giving and receiving the real answers. Ted, you're like almost 40 episodes into the modern man. So I'm curious as we're rounding out this last segment here, if there's any topics, themes, ideas that you thought were maybe surprising, not so obvious, experimental. I'm just curious if there's anything that you've gained or discussed on the show that may not have been covered today? Yeah. For some reason, trauma comes to mind. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of guys who have trauma passed down from their fathers, 
whether it's lack of approval from their fathers, whether it's the lack of father in the household, a lot of us are holding on to looking for validation of having that title of man being bestowed upon us. I think there's a lot of guys who have that trauma still of, man, I still don't feel like I'm enough and a feeling of an inadequacy. And I think that's a recurring topic we've talked a lot about on the podcast because maybe our dad never said, I'm proud of you, son. Maybe our dad wasn't in the picture and we haven't had another man, whether it be a rite of passage or really a man that we respect, give us that you are a man now. And I think for a lot of us that are still walking around with that inadequacy, you know, it's a huge insecurity that a lot of us wear on our sleeves that we might not be aware of. I think that's something that for a lot of us, we need to unpack and work on because unfortunately, the truth that we've come to is there are some guys who's not going to get that validation from their father. We had one guy on the podcast, his father died when he was at a young age and he's at the time now where he's older than when his father died. His father committed suicide. So he lost his father at a young age and then he got to the age that his father was and he's like, now I'm forging a life of my own that my father didn't even get to live. That sits with you. And I think that's the one thing that would be hugely beneficial of that introspection, that reflection, therapy. Uh, I know there might be a taboo around that for some, but I'm huge on like, man, therapy. Sit down, talk to a licensed professional and unpack this stuff because it's just going to equip us even better to step out into our world, take on our challenges, show up every day as best as we can for those that depend on us. And by us healing ourselves and taking care of that trauma within, we can show up better for those that care for us and need us to be our best. Yeah. Trauma's big. Therapy's needed. We've talked in previous recordings about this idea of undoing generational trauma, like you mentioned, and how it's not just a buzzword, but they're seeing it in test results. I had one guest on that said you can predict diabetes from the grandfather. Diabetes is coming from the grandfather. It's science. And I know that doesn't go as far as it used to, but all real stuff that we're not even aware of a lot of times. We think we're angry or we think we're sad or depressed or whatever. And a lot of times there's something running under the hood that is actually going on. So mm -hmm. Ted, the podcast is The Modern Man. I know you've got a lot of other things going on as well. Where can people yeah. go and dive more into your stuff or if they want to get connected? Love for you to share that. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity, Hector. TheModernManPodcast.com. You can get all our episodes on that. We're on social. Instagram is the main platform at The Modern Man Podcast. And also on YouTube is where we have all my videos, shorts and clips from our episodes, and also series and panel discussions, conferences that we've had with other men. Because I don't want it just to be my voice. This is probably why you're doing this podcast format. It can't just be one person's voice. So The Modern Man Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, and themodernmanpodcast.com. All that information is there. I love it. Guys, go get connected. And Ted, my last question for you is maybe something you've sat with a little bit, but what does modern masculinity mean to you? I have sat with this question because similar to modern man, I'm, people have it. What, is, what does a modern man mean? What does it mean to be a modern man? Modern masculinity, I say modern in itself. It's kind of breaking down the two words. Modern is ever-changing, ever-evolving. So I do think for us as men in today's day and age, we have to be ever-changing, ever-evolving with this world that we live in. Masculinity is exuding that confidence within yourself and also having the stoicism in certain areas of life to fulfill and execute a mission and a task. And what I mean by that, honing it into modern masculinity is 
understanding that a lot of us as men identify ourselves in the ability in which we can provide. And I believe that for us as men, we come out of the wound understanding that we're only going to be unconditionally loved by our mothers and the world is going to be harsh to us unless we build value. The modern aspect is what is value in today's day and age? Because it's not the same that it was for our fathers and our grandfathers. It's a different definition. Sure, you could talk about monetary value, but again, ask your partner what they need. It might be time. It might be services. It might be help. It might be backup. It might be space. What does that partner need? And adapt and learn how to provide the best way you can in the world that we live in. And to me, that's modern masculinity. I love it. Ted, this has been a fantastic conversation, as I knew it would be. I just want to thank you for what you're doing and the honesty and transparency and integrity that you showed up with today. Guys, go subscribe, tune into the Modern Man podcast. And if you guys enjoyed today, we'd love for you to leave a rating or review wherever it is that you listen to your podcast. If you know somebody who could benefit from today's conversation, please send this to them. And I'd encourage you to take one thing from today, if at least one thing from today's conversation, implement it and let us know how it goes. Thanks again, as always, for being part of the Modern Masculinity family. We'll see you on the next one, y'all.